Do your bidding. So, Mister, what kind of news do you have us for, you have for us today? I must say that I'm just going to go with the quick, not sarcastic thing and say that I'm quite happy with the way that Starlink launches are occurring. Mm -hmm. So, Starlink has launched, has started launching the fifth group of the satellites, and the last was on 28th of December, and. It actually is making me doubt some things that I was thinking about uh, five or six years ago. Because when somebody said to me that uh, we are going to have 12,000 satellites uh, in orbit in, in, uh, in order to have high-speed internet, uh, it seemed to me that this is basically lunacy. And now uh, Starlink has... 3.6 thousand satellites in orbit and working and they have basically reached coverage that can be considered actually working so they are able to provide the internet on, on almost every part of the globe uh, for a price that is i wouldn't say low but the price that is acceptable for most uses so it makes sense and uh, it was basically done by a private company and it didn't end the way Iridium uh, ended uh, back way uh, back way, way back when we were trying to uh, first uh, start the Iridium cluster and uh, try to provide internet access. So my news is not news. My news is just me being happy that this is going well and that we are going to achieve uh, internet coverage of the entire planet before we achieve uh, end of world hunger. So, okay, I feel the need to be sarcastic here now, because you started it as well. Yes, okay. So now you don't have a problem with Elon Musk owning something as a private company and a private person. No, because he's not trying to he's not trying to influence the launches. There is no way that he can vote on the launch. There is no way that this is just simple engineering. You actually make stuff go up and then stuff goes up and then stuff works and this is something that he's good at he's not good at uh, trying to deal with the end users he's not good good with dealing the problems with the uh, end products uh, when he's actually pro uh, producing cars but what he did with the uh, with the starlink satellites is completely okay i agree uh, so spacex is probably uh, his best uh, his best project and then it's followed by Starlink and the whole constellation thing about the internet being provided to the whole uh, whole world. But so, you do understand that internet is still a political thing. It always is, and it always always will be. So it's still about influence. It's always about influence. Uh, hmm. You would be you would be completely uh, wrong if you said that this is a pure, a pure philanthropy, because nobody does anything uh, that costs money uh, out of pure. Uh, Philanthropic reasons philanthropic and philanthropic reasons. reasons only. Yes, because hmm. in order to get uh, get money, you need to stop being philanthropical, need to exploit somebody. But this is going deep into uh, political theory that we are not going to push into. Hmm, uh, okay, I so, have I have another question related to that actually. So, uh, when I was still back at college, this was actually my graduation thesis. Okay, related to internet via satellites. You think that that's the future? 
I think this is part of the future. I okay. don't think I don't think this is the future. I think this is the backup for the future. Okay. I think that this is going to be something that is going to uh, be uh, used where, wherever the normal uh, fiber optics and normal uh, 5G, 6G, whatever G network is not available. Do you t- are you calling that the last mile? I'm calling it a last resort, basically. So it's kind of is like a last mile problem then. Yes, it's a last mile problem for uh, places that are not uh, economically viable for other sources. So, for example, mm. in Croatia, this would be almost all the coast, uh, all the coastal towns that are smaller because there is, there is no, there is no uh, commercial viability uh, in trying to provide internet uh, and, I don't know, 10 miles or uh, 50, uh, 15 kilometers of in, uh, internet fiber to uh, connect to, uh, two or three homes. Mm-hmm. It's much more. Uh, it's much. It makes much more sense to just use the satellites or use some other uh, means of uh, distribution, and people are relying uh, more and more on high-speed internet. But also, I think this is going to be something that's going to be used by a lot of Internet of Things uh, services because they rely on having the internet in the places where they want to collect data. They don't only rely on the internet and where the places where people are. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to collect data for some particular experiment, so mm-hmm. you are going to need the internet, you're going to be needing the high-speed internet, and this is going to be making a lot of sense uh, in this, uh, this particular cases. So whatever makes internet affordable and make it makes internet uh, globally, accessible. globally accessible, this is a good thing from my perspective. The bad thing is what is going to happen with the infrastructure itself. So how uh, SpaceX is going to deal with the Starlink satellites uh, going out of uh, production, uh, crashing down, because after all, they have put up 366, uh, uh, 3,666 uh, satellites uh, up until now, and they are going to crash. So they're going to probably crash into each other. They're going to uh, increasingly become a problem for different uh, launches for different other, other things. And this is something that we are going to have to deal with. But the internet part is okay with me. Okay, I'm fine, I agree. As, as, as with everything, everything else, there is a good side and a bad side. Yeah, that's all cool. Anything we want to add to that? No, Inter- internet good. Internet good, internet uh, of things good as well. No, mm-hmm. no, okay. internet, internet of things, possibly good, uh, probably bad. Because the lowest common denominator is trying to uh, create something that is as cheap as possible, uh, that is going to come up in an impossible schedule, uh, impossibly short schedule, and then trying to push it on the market. And uh, we have seen waves after waves of uh, things that are connected to Internet of Things and are being completely misdesigned, especially on the security on the security front mm-hmm. so i don't think that internet thing is something that we should be talking about right now because they deserve their own episode and their own sarcastic uh, uh mood dissection, dissection because uh i am a big proponent of internet of things i think that the internet of things is going to create immense things for uh, humankind but at the same time i think that we lack uh 
right now we lack uh, experience, we lack knowledge, and uh, foremost, we lack uh, regulation that is going to enable us to uh, utilize the Internet of Things. Because it is going to become a big problem when uh, all the different things that are connected to the Internet uh, start um, being obsolete. Mm -hmm. And then we are going to create a lot of uh, technological depth uh, in the Internet of Things world. And there's, there's going to be a lot of running completely obsolete uh, machines that are going to be on the Internet that are going to be uh, security, uh, security nightmares. Mm -hmm. And they're going to create a lot, pro a lot more problems for the administrators like us uh, as the time progresses. So, okay. Let's talk about the Internet of Things sometimes Some later. Okay. okay. With that being said, let's go to our main topic of the show today, which is going to be something completely different. Okay. Okay, so our main topic of the day, I'm going to do the intro this time because this is a topic that's... That bothers you, basically. It's not only about bother. It's uh, something that I have a lot of uh, experience with and it costs me a lot of nerves over the years. And I keep running into that problem all, uh, all day long when I'm working for some of my, uh, let's say, uh, global comp uh, companies and partners. It's something that's been around the block for many years and it's pure wrong and we need to discuss it. So in our first episode, you actually used the term Excel manager. Basically, you did. Uh, you were making jokes of Excel managers. I think that layer eight uh, of the of the net. Layer eight, usually, that's good. It, it's, it's, it's a big problem in the, almost all the, yeah, okay. all, all the implementations. But uh, use the term uh, Excel managers. I'm not saying that all the managers are Excel managers, but usually the main problem lies with the manager and usually with the middle management. Yeah. Okay. So going back to what uh, I started talking about. So uh, the terminology that I'm using, the Excel managers are is specifically guys in the IT industry, uh, which uh, that are on managerial positions that look uh, in the IT through the looking glass of cost and nothing else. So but at the same time, uh, when they present uh, uh, their mojo to the, uh, let's say, uh, management board or something like that, depending on the size of the company, then, then they are all about, you know, the IT is the biggest, biggest partner that the company has and IT is going to take us to the future and uh, IT services enable us to make money and whatnot. So that's, that's my, that's my beef, beef for today. And as I said, uh, being fortunate enough to uh, live in a world in which uh, a lot of my clients are all around the world, in the world of education, uh, the basically a meeting is just a, it's not a phone call away, it's like a Zoom call away or something like that. Uh, almost every week somebody complains about this from various parts of the world, from different, uh, let's say, parts of the IT industry, not only from the enterprise segment, but also from the service provider segment. So I want us to do uh, a little bit of a, let's say, a poop show on the topic of managing IT as if it was just a, just a cost thing without looking into what IT actually provides. So that's the underlying thing that I want to discuss today. And overhanging that, uh, I want uh, to also do a little bit 
of the, of a discussion, even a little bit more technically detailed discussion about the way in which enterprise companies use cloud services specifically because um, uh, what you find in the enterprise segment of the market uh, for the enterprise customers, they tend to oversimplify and idolize cloud without any merit. But I think that first you will need to state, but okay, you will need to state your uh, ground and I want to understand what you're trying to talk about because uh, usually the IT, we can agree on one thing. Uh, management above IT use usually uh, things that uh, IT is all cost and no benefit. Or mostly cost yeah, yes. benefit in really small portions. Yeah, so basically let's let's uh, try to keep things simple and say, okay, all, all cost, no benefit. Mm -hmm. Usually uh, a thing that is running is considered a good thing, but uh, money shouldn't be spent on things that are running. Money should be spent on things that are need to be expanded mm -hmm. or things that are broken. And usually the best or the most complicated thing is uh, trying to explain to lay people, lay managers, mm -hmm. uh, let's call them that. that layman's. Lay, layman's managers that uh, things that are running and uh, DevOps guys that are not running around and trying to fix things is a good thing. Mm -hmm. This means that somebody has done his job well. Mm -hmm. And when you have management that understands this, then you are talking about the layer uh, below it, the Excel managers for the IT, who then try to optimize the uh, infrastructure that is running and uh, they are trying to make things better. Because usually- Better or better. Yep, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be all sarcastic now. And, and I'm just going to say, let's, let's just talk about the, let's imagine we have a company. Your company does something. This something is in order of 10,000 users or more. more. You create a working stack of something. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Uh, cloud, hybrid cloud, uh, local uh, cloud, uh, local servers, bare metal service, whatever. Uh, and you create an environment that enables you to provide the service for whatever you're doing. Mm -hmm. uh, as soon as this happens, you are going to have three to six months of uh, peace. And then somebody is going to say, do we need to uh, cut the costs because everything works? Mm -hmm. You are going to usually, from my perspective and what, what I see, you're going to see that people are completely uh, go going to completely neglect that you have to actually uh, reinvest into infrastructure. Mm -hmm. They are going to try to uh, do the usual, uh, we don't need capital, capital expenditures, we are going to create all the, all the operational expenditures uh, as, a, as a must. So we are going to see that if something works, we are going to try to create a microservice of it. Then we are going to push it to the cloud Then we are going to push it around and then we are going to uh, make it not work. Then we are going to complain that this is not working. And, and then we're going to complain about the operational costs. Yes, well. yes, 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 yes. Because, because that's a part of the equation. Because both you and me know that there is no silver bullet. Uh, I like to quote the Mythical Man Month uh, book from way, way, way ago. Uh, there is a whole chapter called There is No Silver Bullet because in IT, there is no silver bullet. Uh, there is no universal solution to any problem because if there was, there wouldn't be a problem. Uh, there, if there is a problem of optimizing cost, this means that optimizing cost is a complex problem that needs to be solved in different ways uh, in different companies. 
the idea of having a universal solution to cut costs and universal solution to optimize the, uh, the optimize the business usually means that there is no such solution but you, you can act, you need to actually uh, work on it so yep. we are agree, agreeing on it mm-hmm. my biggest i think that in this in this part i think that you are even more progressive than me uh because i believe yeah, this is something that i do i think way 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 many more hours than you do no it's it's not only that i think that you uh didn't have to uh endure talking to a lot of startups yeah yeah and correct. i think that the your biggest problem right now is that you actually have more experience with the uh, companies that were bigger and that actually were able to work my experience comes from smaller companies that uh tended to have a lot more problems because they were trying to use the whatever hype is now uh, about any 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 application on the market so yeah, they f- would fit the square where the circle should be or something like that but yes but in 4d yeah that's excellent for the chess we love that for the chess because the problem is that uh when you are trying to put up a startup uh first you are trying to uh get the most out of the money you have uh you are trying to avoid expenditure cost uh, uh expenditure that is going to be a capital expenditure uh as much as possible because mm-hmm. you want to burn through the money that you have but you don't want to burn it up front mm-hmm. and then you are going to choose from it's probably tens of thousands of applications that are intended to help you work with the start in, in your startup and you're going to waste an enormous amount of time trying to uh, make it all fit together then you're going to try to uh, use some sort of middleware glue to make it all fit together and then you're going to find out that there is hundreds of uh, solutions for this mm-hmm. and this is something that is creating problems so uh, the way that usually the development stacks are done so the lamp stack the what, whatever stack that the, the, there are right now uh this is something that most most startup think that should uh, the this uh, way of thinking should be applied to the uh, all the applications that they're using so for example for communications for email for uh, uh, our our tracking for uh, human resources for communication tracking for uh, help desk tracking and so on there are hundreds of solutions and they think that there is a universal solution for everything and they are wasting time and money trying to find out the best solution and usually they don't have enough knowledge to do it mm-hmm. i think this is the same thing that is happening with the cloud because the cloud i agree because the the problem is that uh you for the cloud everybody understands or almost everybody understands that they need some sort of a consultant that is going to give them a breakdown of what the cloud can do if if only that was true but but they know that they, they probably are going to reach that point but yes, yes. usually they don't know that they, they, know they don't that, want to admit no 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 they don't they don't need, need a consultant but they don't, they don't understand that the true consultants actually cost money because they need an enormous amount of knowledge of the cloud yeah and they that's exactly the point that I'm, I'm going to try to prove so today. i'm going to i'm going to make this point for you and then uh, make your whole whole uh, trying to prove the point uh, completely uh, yeah i'm useless. going to add to that point yes because i think that most of the companies think that the blurbs from the cloud companies is something that 
uh, gives enough information to uh, go into the cloud. This is first thing. Yeah, technical marketing. Yes, and mm-hmm. the other thing is that a lot of the companies don't understand that uh, consultants are few and far between. Uh, there is not so many consultants that actually understand how your work process is uh, translated into the whatever technology you are going to use to, to, yeah. to, to, to apply it. Mm-hmm. So a consultant probably and should understand what you're trying to do. Uh, he sh- the, the, them should understand what the solutions are for your problems and then to understand how those solutions are mapped to uh, different functions that can be provided by different services. Yeah, but they, they should also always take care of the inventory of the stuff that's already existing. There. Yes, they, yeah, but they, that's a part of the process. But uh, the problem is that there is no uh, uh, there is no such thing as universal consultants from the cloud. Correct. And the problem is that people think that there is. They mm-hmm. they ask a technical guy to explain us uh, what whatever uh, cloud you are you're talking about. I think see uh, that you are uh, going to talk about Azure. But uh, being it Azure, being it AWS, or being it Google, or being it Oracle, being some some other cloud, uh, usually they turn and talk to the guy who already implemented something in the cloud. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, these are the people who you shouldn't talk about because talk to. Because those people have implemented this cloud and they like this cloud. There is a lot of uh, subjectivity subjectivity and evangelism uh, for different clouds. Correct. So we are going always to have a problem, always going to have a problem with uh, people pushing whatever cloud works for them Mm -hmm. because a very small percentage of them have tried uh, different clouds. And very small percentage of them understand what the differences between clouds actually are. So, for example, there is not a lot of consultants that I know that are uh, into storage. They know how particular storage model works in AVS. They know how particular storage works in uh, Azure. They know how particular storage works on Google or whatever. But they are unable to compare those storages because they have their own pet storage uh, solution that mm-hmm. they usually use and they are not into s- gritty details of all the other different solutions. Mm. So this is something that's, that is creating a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. But the okay. cloud the cloud is not the solution. Sometimes the cloud is the problem. Yeah, I want to I want to make that as a point first. Actually, I want to make two small points. Small point number 1 is that cloud is, and I openly state this whenever I'm working for somebody, be it in a consultancy role or if I'm doing some kind of a cloud education, I don't care. I always state to them, the, to people coming to those uh, either consultancy sessions or to education, I tell them in the first 15 minutes of getting to know each other is that they need to be aware of the fact that cloud is not a be-all end-all solution for anything, because it's not. And this is this is the thing that actually bothers me. Why? Uh, because I would think that people would, after all the uh, IT experience they have, mm-hmm. and usually we are talking about people who have uh, 10 plus years experience in IT, they should be able to understand that there is no such thing as a universal solution to anything in IT. Yeah, but they might. It's about the Excel managers pushing them. Yes, but uh, even the Excel managers sh- uh, should yeah, be don't able. Don't use that word. Yeah, should be able is a yeah conditional clause which doesn't really uh, translate because to if, reality. Because if you if you 
actually use the Excel and then map up, map up uh, different solutions to the problem that you're trying to solve. Mm -hmm. You are going to see different outcomes and different financial uh, incentives to use some uh, technology or the other technology. Mm -hmm. So you're going to see that the landscape is not black and white. Yeah. And the problem is that the people you are talking about, Excel managers, are actually not Excel managers. They are just being completely short-sighted. They are trying to solve the problem quickly and they are trying to solve the problem that they think is a problem. Yeah, uh, as we usually use the metaphor, point A, point B, point A problem, point B solution, like a laser scope, that's the, that's the path to solution, which it never is. Yes, but the biggest problem is sometimes uh, that the customer is unable to explain what the point A actually is. Yes, and that's so, also so, a problem a problem related to documentation and inventory and knowing the business processes and many other things. So uh, I'm going to ask you one thing that is going to be completely uh, tangential right now, but okay, let's look cool. at it. Do you know of any company that has failed its initial 27,001 audit uh, for the security? Yes. How many of them in percentage? Actually failed. So an auditor came to the, came to the, uh, to the company, said, okay, I'm going to do an audit, and then said, okay, you're going to pay me, but you failed. I know of one case out of X. Yes. Yeah, I know. And, and this is one of the problems. It is. And this is the problem with the cloud. This is because, pri because primarily problem with the auditing process that allows too many things to be accepted as risks, but yes. Yes, because you are basically uh, the thing that uh, auditors say is that they are being paid by the customer mm -hmm. and they, in the end of the day, they need to be paid. Mm -hmm. So failing is not a, An case, acceptable a, option. a, case, a case that they need to go for. So they're going to uh, create an environment where the customer is going to be able to use the different uh, techniques to, I wouldn't say avoid, but to uh, lighten up the procedures and uh, all the different uh, documentation issues uh, in order to pass the audit. Yeah. And I think that the same thing happens with the cloud because once the customer decides that he needs to go into the cloud, mm -hmm he more often than not, he's going to just decide that he needs the cloud. He's not going to say, I have a problem that needs to be solved. Mm -hmm. He's going to say, I need to solve this problem in the cloud. Mm -hmm. And then a happy consultant is going to say, not going to say to him, you don't need the cloud, please buy the servers because he's not going to get paid. Yeah, I will, but yes, I, I stand by your point. Well, I, I want to uh, like, uh, uh, talk to you about the second mini point that I wanted to make, which is a... And, um, it's, it's going to seem like an obsolete and completely insane example of what I'm saying that cloud is not the be all end all solution for anything, but it's a valid point. Uh, every country in the world has strict uh, legal framework relating to financial, financial data and accounting. Yes. In Croatia, we have, you know, 11 years, this blah, 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 that permanent, that whatnot doesn't really matter right now. It, it's similar in all, all countries all over the world. Mostly, it's just the numbers are a little bit different. Doesn't really matter for the discussion. What does matter for the discussion is the technical solution pro that provides those capabilities. 
And I use this example often and believe it or not, much more often than not, people completely agree with me because they do have a, an exactly the same thing uh, while uh, somebody is pushing them to migrate to cloud, which is they have a couple of generations of older accounting applications that they have to keep as a, a matter of a permanent record, which means that they have a couple of generations of OSs running as well, not all of which are supported by the cloud. And to go even more extreme, I know more than a couple of dozen companies, and actually in our part of uh, European Union, this is a very common scenario. We could probably find thousands of examples like this. Uh, more often than not, you're going to find that uh, a company who's, uh, that's been around the block for at least 15 or so years, so 15 plus, and there are many of companies like that, smaller companies, they don't have to be big ones, for big ones even worse. Uh, they used to run uh, accounting applications in MS-DOS. Yes, uh, I, I, think, uh, I, I had think... I had the same thing, and I know hundreds of people. Uh, I, uh, me, me too, me too. But the problem is that uh, let's make one thing uh, one thing clear: the cloud is primarily intended for people who want to start on clean slate. No, it's not. Uh, it's primarily uh, no. It's designed for people who are starting from. That's clean much better. Uh, because uh, when I say intended, uh, I, I mean that it wasn't intended in the start. It mm -hmm. was intended to run everything, mm -hmm. but then the cloud providers uh, saw the light and understood that they actually don't want to deal with the edge cases. They want to be able to just provide uh, the newest, uh, latest generation of whatever That's it is. That's all true. That's all and true. Then, then they're going to leave the problems to the customers. And the customers think that the cloud provider has done uh, their homework mm -hmm. and that everything can be migrated to cloud. Yes. And then this becomes a problem. Of course. Because the cloud doesn't want older uh, applications. First and foremost, because you can put probably hundreds of applications into one virtual machine if they're in DOS. Mm -hmm. So there is no money to be made there. It's not that. There is no, uh, I don't think that you can still find a single certified cloud provider that uh, is going has to run DOS. MS DOS as a, as a part of the supported OS's list. Yeah, yes, but uh, the problem is that they would support DOS if there is money to be made. No, they wouldn't. They, they would, would because no, the, they wouldn't. The, it the, would be way too much, way too much development would be needed for that because the drivers for most essential things do not exist. Let's agree on disagreeing, but I think that the invisible, uh, uh, invisible, uh, invisible hand. hand of the, the market would, yeah, okay. would, would, would do it. No, I, I semi agree with you. Yes, okay. but uh, because for every technical problem there is a solution, mm -hmm. but I think that there is no. Uh, not even a hint of uh, financial incentive to do it. Okay, but so, there are other examples. It doesn't have to be DOS, Windows 95. Okay, but uh, every, everything that is small, nobody cares about it. Because the cloud right now is trying to sell you storage, they're trying to sell you, sell you CPUs, they're trying to sell you a network. Yes. And, and those uh, applications don't use any of those. So they are not interesting for the cloud providers because the majority of the customers basically are there to be skinned. Uh, uh, I know. The, all this doesn't really deserve this kind of discussion. I just wouldn't use this, this, these two things as light So let me, this, let, let me try to this more on the cloud providers. I think that the cloud providers right now like bloatware 
misdesigned uh, configurations. Uh, uh, expensive services? Expen no, 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 no. Uh, enormous microservices. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that right now is a big fad is trying to create everything as a microservice. Yes. So suddenly your uh, application for the uh, for accounting for a firm that has that has 20 people uh, employed can be designed as 70 microservices running at the same time. Yes. And yay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going even to say yay because uh, this is good for scaling, but I know one particular case when where the company is trying to do microservices and try to do the actually the accounting part, uh, they are trying to create a microservices cloud, uh, microservices pod, whatever uh, that is going to be uh, able to be spun on whatever computer there is, like a unit of deployment or something. Yeah, so yeah, okay. so whatever a pod pod of a pod of uh, Kubernetes. Dockers, yeah. Kubernetes or whatever. So basically, a small subset of microservices that are going to work together. I already have that. Yes, but there. I would say more than 90% of the customers they have, have less than 10 employees uh, in, in, their, uh, in, in their system. So basically they are creating a system that is so complex that it needs, I don't know, 20, uh, 30 microservices to be running at the same time mm -hmm. in a pod. And then when everything is spun up, it is basically in the level of uh, usefulness that would be expected from a pretty large Excel spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. And this is something that is a big problem because when you are trying to push a company uh, that is small and you push solutions that are using microservices and then those microservices basically demand uh, a cloud solution, suddenly you are solving the problem of cracking a nut with a bulldozer. Yes. and a lot of people uh, tend to buy the bulldozers. Yep. And cloud shouldn't be selling bulldozers. Cloud should be selling solutions that actually work. Correct. But, but the solutions usually don't make enough money. Yeah, okay. So let's move to what I wanted to uh, uh, show in terms of, generally speaking, our talk today. So going back to the to the original topic, which was related to uh, so-called Excel managers and some oversimplifications under deliveries that I've seen hundreds of times already. And I said my colleagues and uh, projects that I do and a lot of the education that I do uh, stands to validate the point that I'm, that I'm about to make, which is as follows. There's a, actually good quote and uh, our mutual friend uh, from our office uh, mentioned this quote which made me laugh yesterday uh, if something takes five minutes to do then please don't let me be on your in your way that's something that can be completely applied to the process of how a lot of people working in IT from the managerial perspective view cloud in terms of cloud is simple just do it it's a couple of a couple of clicks of a mouse and we're done Okay. Yes, but I would think that the biggest problem that we have with the cloud is that the cloud is usually uh, interpreted as if we put it in the cloud, it is going to scale. And then you don't need any scaling at all because you are over provisioning in a way that is hard to describe. Yes. And I think that the biggest thing that uh, a lot of um, cloud providers are trying to sell you is, as I said, CPUs, uh, memory and storage mm -hmm. is going to be something that you don't need. Uh, 
Yeah. And uh, if it takes five minutes to work, uh, to do, uh, don't uh, uh, don't make you stay in the, in the way of it. Is one way of thinking about it, and the other, but the other way is uh, is thinking: Do I actually need five minutes? Uh, can I describe my process and then make my process actually fit into the, what I'm trying to do? Because if you are trying to fit the process into the cloud, you are doing the, uh, the things the wrong way. Yeah. You need to f uh, fit the cloud to the process. You need to fit the solution to yeah, the process. That's all good. Uh, what I don't understand is what is uh, what are the differences? Because right now we are completely on the same page. Yes, we are. So what is your, why is your page different than mine? No, no, uh, what, what you should be doing is actually shooting me down and say, saying that you want a certain design to be done. Oh, so the diagonal is uh, scalable. Multi-cloud. Uh, Multi-cloud. Multi uh, Turbo diesel synergical, synergical design that is going to enable us to uh, do the whatever is done with the seven vertical yes so, 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 so. <laughs> whatever is done and when, when you're doing yeah, the problems that's cool anyway i just wanted to kind of like go to a short demo to uh, try to visualize what the problem is when when people oversimplify how cloud uh, is very simple okay and i wanted to show that in the simplest way possible i'm just going to go to one cloud wizard and then we're going to talk about it, okay? Okay. So I logged into uh, Microsoft Azure, uh, just created like a temporary account. And I want to create one virtual machine. I'm going to start the wizard. And then you're going to see all of the different hoopla that this is going to create. If you approach the idea of creating a virtual machine in a correct way, which would be design thinking. I want to, as you said, I want to fit this, uh, the cloud to our solution. I want to have that as some kind of a working unit that fits my need. Okay, but first thing I'm going to ask you, you know that you are right now making a mistake. No, I'm not. You know that this is a mistake because you should have your solution sketched down before you're trying to create virtual machines. So you yeah. are doing, doing this on purpose. Yeah, yeah, I'm, do, okay, I'm okay, absolutely okay. doing this okay, on okay, purpose. Okay, Dude, uh, I, I am doing this because, on purpose. I would, I'm, I'm, I would I'm, never I'm, do it this way in okay, Because I'm trying, I'm trying to make an excuse for you because if somebody nah. sees you doing this, yeah. uh, if they understand that you're trying to do this uh, not on purpose, but you are actually doing it the way you, sh you are usually doing it, mm -hmm. you can come up as a less than satisfactory DevOps guy. No, that's okay. I don't care. This is not a DevOps discussion. Okay, so the first thing that you need to understand is, uh, and you, you already mentioned this, cloud terminology is complex. There are a lot of terms there. Uh, okay, virtual machine is a virtual machine. Kubernetes is Kubernetes. Docker is Docker. But then after the first layer of common terminology, you get into the details about terminology that exists actually on all of the clouds, the things are called different. They represent the same or almost the same thing. And yet you have to really start, uh, uh, if, if you approach this topic correctly, you have to read about that. You have to do a little bit of education. You have to read a little bit of Microsoft Learn or something to actually understand what the hell you are doing in this wizard. So create me a virtual machine that has an outside IP address. Yes. Yes. Yeah. What uh, is the outside IP address called? The, let's, uh, yeah, we are going to come to that because that's actually complicated. Yes, I know. In cloud. Yeah. In, uh, in clouds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because uh, at the end, we can also do a comparison of how this would work if it was your physical infrastructure. And I think that we are going, both going to agree that doing this on your local infrastructure is uh, definitely easier. 
Yes. So it asks me to do uh, to create something that's called a resource group. Okay. The logical question of somebody who is using Azure for the first time is going to be, what the hell is a resource group? Okay. Yes, you can use the terminology resource group. You, that means that you're going to put some resources somewhere. Yes, you can do approach it in that way. And you can say, I, I don't want to read about that. So this is my, let's say, uh, cloud resource group zero one, whatever. I'm going to create new one because uh, the whole environment is completely empty. Okay. Right now. Then it's going to ask me for the virtual machine name. Okay, test zero one. All okay. Good. This is where things uh, stop being easy. This is where things go from, uh, you know, level one to level thousand. In one. No, no, no. One. I, think, I think I know what the next question is. So create me the cheapest machine. Yes. The next question is create me the or cheapest. price efficient. No, 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 no. The cheapest, the cheapest. The cheapest. Okay. And then uh, the first thing that you actually you're going to have to do is actually you're going to have to select the instance size because you have to look at the pricing calculator for cert certain instance sizes in different regions. Based on regions, yes. Yes. So you would go here and you would notice that there are 551 virtual machine instance sizes. Okay. okay. I'm not saying that you should read all about every single one of them. But should, you should be having a, at least a ballpark idea of what you're trying to create. Correct. Which again brings me to my previous point, which is you should actually read about this. So let's so let, 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 uh, spin up a small DOS machine. Uh, nah, <laughs> not going to happen. Yeah, that's <laughs> good. Let's say that I just want to spin up a small Linux machine, something in the realms of, you know, one vCPU, two gigabytes okay. of memory, something very simple. Uh, if you want to do that, if you want to go through the searches, for example, here, because you could display cost vCPUs all, you can actually go and say, I want to have a virtual machine that only has, let's say, instance size with one vCPU. And then let's say I want to have custom amount of memory uh, in gigabytes, let's say, two. And then you get the list of some of those machines that you can use. So this is me super simplifying the process because I've done this 100 million times. But it's not as obvious when you're doing it for the first time. Yes, but I think that the biggest problem that you created right now is that you are letting your knowledge go into yeah, the way I know, way I'm of... doing it in here specifically. For this ex part of the example, I'm doing it on purpose. I'm going to stop oh, doing okay, it but right no, 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 I'm talking about the other thing. Uh, you actually have defined what you want mm -hmm. and this, Even this that, created this created an enormous amount of uh it, it eliminated an enormous amount of uncertainty yes because certainty is something that usually people don't have they don't understand they, what what they want they say create me a machine mm -hmm. and then uh having 500 machines is a problem yeah okay St stick with me so okay. stay with me on this one i just wanted to show an example of how the good thought process, or let's say a little bit optimized one would work. Okay. I'm going to stop doing that already on the next, on the next, uh, let's say thing that I need to select. So which region? Uh, I have no idea. Give me the cheapest one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> how do, I, I'm not going to do that. Uh, let's say, uh, I know that all of the clouds, and I think that it's quite intuitive to think this way. All of the cloud providers have certain, let's say, pricing details or pricing calculators available. I think that's a fair standpoint. So we would say, let's say, Azure pricing 
calculator there. It filled it for me, so I, I'm not cheating on this one. You'll go, for example, to Azure Pricing Calculator. And then you would see, you would say, I want a virtual machine. I don't want to participate in that virtual machine. And you would view your virtual machine so that you can see some details. And you would actually go back to this one, uh, that, see what the instance, see name, what name the instance is size is. Yes. So it's B1MS. Let's try to find that. Uh, already it's making my life uh, more difficult. So B1MS, this one. Okay, it says it's $21.02 per month in the region of West US. I'm located in, let's say, uh, in European Union. And out of, uh, you know, we had a discussion about GDPR, etc. I don't want to host the, anything. The, 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 this can be okay for you, but usually it isn't. Yes, for the most part it isn't. So I have to select something that's within the realms of the, of the borders of European Union. So you have just created another problem because you said, uh, I said cheapest, yeah. you said cheapest, but uh, legitimate yeah, exactly. or legal. Didn't I say that I'm going to make it more complicated? Yes. Okay. Yeah. But this is a real process. This is not me faking it. This is the way in which you would do it. And you would then go and, for example, select Germany North. You can see that the price is bigger. Then you would go and say West Central. This is less. This is less uh, in terms of the pricing and France and North Europe. And then you would go also to, for example, Norway and Sweden and Switzerland. You would go through roughly 10 regions so that you can find the cheapest machine. Let's say for the purpose of our discussion that the one that I selected is the cheapest okay. to make our lives just a little bit easier. Otherwise, we're going to be stuck in this wizard for the next three days. So that's good. So that means I want to select Germany, Germany. There is a search mechanism here, thankfully. Uh, sorry, not availability options. So to, 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 to Europe, Europe, Europe. There is no Germany. Okay. That's another thing that, yeah, I saw this as well. Maybe that specific virtual machine instance size is not available. Not available, Germany. actually not available. Yeah. Let's say I'm going to do North Europe. Doesn't really matter now. This is where, as I said, this is where things start piling up in terms of complexity. Availability options, uh, you press the I button and then starts talking about something. And then you say, okay, Azure virtual machine. It says here availability options. Now I have to give credit where credit is due. So kudos to Microsoft uh, to, that they actually created a lot of consumable content easily. You can easily find it on Google, which directly relates to the options in Asia, which makes it much more user friendly. It didn't used to be this way. The only problem that I see with Microsoft is not that they didn't create the content. I think that the biggest problem is that they have created such an enormous amount of content about Correct. different things and they are right now sorting through it and trying to make it uh, understandable. Is the content actually apl applicable to Azure or the core operating systems on the bare yeah, metal? Yeah, that's okay. And this is the biggest problem because they decided to create another set of uh, uh, websites that they're called Learn and they have, are in the middle of migration from the Technet and so on and so on. Yeah. And, and this is a big thing for me because sometimes people who don't have experience Need get, lost, find, get yeah. lost into mm -hmm. the enormous amount of data because they don't see 
if the particular uh, article is referring to an actual Windows Server, whatever. Or, or Windows or Service Windows in, Azure. in Azure. Yes, yeah, I agree with you completely. But let's say that we found our necessary option here. Then it says security type. And, I, and then I would go and see trusted launch virtual machine confidential ones. There are actually some descriptions here. If I took 30 seconds of my time, I could understand what they are. Let's say that I'm happy with this one. The image part is, I think, the, the only straightforward thing in this wizard from start to end. Yes, and the most amazing thing for me so is the first, thing, the first thing is Ubuntu yes. because, because, as we all know, the uh, Azure is the biggest uh, place to run a Linux. Yes. And the most used operating system in the Azure is Linux. Yeah, okay. Can you be Arch? Uh, uh, I'm not sure if it's here, but maybe there's, there's uh, Arch Linux on Azure Marketplace. We could try to find it there. No, 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 because no, no. there are there are external the, the, sources that you can bring in, but it's a part of Azure. There lies madness. No. Yeah. No. No. no you no. would go uh, again, uh, cutting corners a little bit. No, I'm just I'm just trying to tell you to make the talking points for the for the people yeah, in, that's the, in good. the comments. Arch. Let's see if they have anything. Mm, Arch Linux in Azure. There we go. And you have to pay for it. So yeah, there are a lot of these uh, things that you can run. As, as, as I said yesterday, you should be paying for the things that are wrong, uh, uh, bad for you. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> That's good. Uh, then VM architecture. I think that 99% of, uh, of people don't know what this is. And uh, even if we discount everything, everybody who is not an IT person, there will still be uh, like a pretty big, pretty sizable percentage of people who don't know what x86 versus ARM64 is. Doesn't really matter. Let's say that uh, the default option is x64, which is the way it should be. So let's and say. what is amazing for me is that you are first uh, deciding on the operating system and then on the architecture. And usually the operating system that you have chosen is not the one that can be run on both architectures. Yeah, that's, uh, I agree with you. This wizard is not necessarily completely logical. Yes, it is not done in a, in a way in which both you and I would like it, to, uh, like it to be done. But then again, kudos who are having ARM virtual machines. They, uh, this is actually a very recent addition, which is a good one. We already talked about the size. Now, authentication type, public key, if you're using Linux, public key or password doesn't really matter. Let's say uh, manager, Zero one, some kind of a password. Doesn't really matter. And then uh, things start going back to their usual complicated self. Inbound port rules, public inbound ports, select inbound ports. Most people would be, what is this? So let's say that um, IT, IT guys would recognize that this has to do something with the firewall. But uh, the, the 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 crazy or almost stupid stupid or even a little bit evil thing is the fact that you're configuring that this here while at the same time there's another tab later in the wizard which has uh, uh, basically the same options maybe a little bit more but the, the logic behind it I, it took me many many months to understand this because it's not easy to understand the logic of somebody uh, who is creating these UIs. I'm not even trying to anymore because it just pisses me off. The reason why is because you have review plus create button here, which enables you to basically skip all of the next steps and go directly to the creation process, which is a simple, which is always simplified, a problem. Uh, no, it is a simplified process for the regular, you know, uh, simple users. 
okay? Because uh, uh, the wizard is then going to fill the data for them, for networking and other pieces of configuration, which is user-friendly, yet can be wrong, okay? But, but mostly isn't, to be fair. Okay. To, okay. to be fair, it really isn't. But again, uh, we are talking about a scenario in which you have some kind of a company so thinking about migration to cloud. So let's say that they're a little bit more informed, that they spend at least a little bit of time talking. I have, I have a point. I'm, I'm trying to say something. Yeah, uh, go ahead. My biggest problem right now is that you are talking about a wizard that is clearly not intended for people who are common users because... No, this first part, for, uh, the, the, this first tab, basics, Yes, can get you to 100% created virtual machine if you just uh, are uh, able to write a little bit of text, write a little bit of text, select a couple of things and okay. press review create. Okay, but what first thing that I don't trust Microsoft with mm -hmm. is that they are not going to change the defaults. So the first thing that I wouldn't do, mm -hmm. even if there is such a wizard, mm -hmm. is to trust the defaults that Microsoft has created for me because they can change at any time and I need to review them before the machine is created. You will be, you will be able to do it because you have a review phase. Okay. So this is not the create. This uh, takes you all the way to the review plus create tab ah, okay. if you press this and you have a chance okay. to do it. Again, uh, this is... Uh, done for uh, normal users, unlike both of us, we are much more technical, etc. And it's done, I think, in a correct way. Okay? okay. But again, we are more technical. So next topic is disks. This is where things become like crazy. Encryption on a host, VM disk encryption. You can read at least 50 pages of documentation about this. Then uh, it asks you for the OS disk and the data disks. Most users, more most regular users would just give up here because most users wouldn't understand this terminology at all. It comes pretty natural to us. But uh, when you start talking about this one, so you have premium, standard SSD, standard HDD, zone redundant, premium, standard, whatnot, then you have uh, enable ultra disk compatibility, key management, do you want to delete with VM checkbox? No sane person would understand what it is, although they added it, uh, let's say, more than a year ago. And it was one of the things that uh, millions of people asked for. Reason being that if you delete virtual machine in Azure without this checkbox, the disk of the virtual machine is in your storage account, spending money. Yes, but uh, I don't see what the reason is for this, because you are not spending money then. Yeah. I, I had don't, to hunt, don't defend them. I had to hunt for 45 minutes to find in which region in AVS mm -hmm. I had some storage used because uh, a couple of years ago when I, I was trying to that. do this, uh, there was no actual tool to hunt down where the storage was and what kind of storage was that we using. Same thing applies to this. So I had to hunt uh, region by region mm -hmm. and try to find what was stored where. And then when I uh, actually found out that I didn't have a disk, I had a template stored in the storage, I was able to delete it and then uh, stop uh, wasting, it was, I think, three or five, uh, three or four cents per month. But it was actually... Uh, Pissing the hell out of you. No, no, the problem is that the, such a small amount of money is something that you don't, first for, for the first couple Notice. of months, you don't care. Mm -hmm. And then it starts eating you from the inside. Correct. And then you say, okay, I'm going to waste a couple of hours of my time to try to stop wasting four cents a month. 
which is completely irrational yet yes. completely rational yes yeah I, i'm completely with you same things happened to me in asia hundreds of times i actually got i actually got the notice that they're going to try to um, uh, do the uh, debt collection collection on me because the problem was that 17 my, cents of all uh, uh, 20 cents but the problem was that my card expired and it wasn't able to auto, auto renew or auto bill and Ooh. then they, they would yeah. long live revolut virtual yes. cards yeah i know yes. what it is yeah that's that's awesome man actually uh, we're going to come back to this uh, later on i'm going to try to do something you're going to you're going to find this f uh, as funny and as irritating at the as at the same time as as i did so basically it says here os disk you have loads of options you can spend hours reading about this data disks would actually to translate into normal human uh, terminology would be additional disks in the virtual machine and you can go and create and attach another disk you can see that they are uh, by default you're using a terabyte disk that's awesome yeah that's exactly what i need let's say i needed 64 gigabyte uh, and then again you have performance tiers uh, no uh, no sane person knows what iops is Uh, okay, our us IT dudes do, but still, you know, not really something that we uh, most people pay attention to. So you would be able to select this, and this has uh, influence on the cost. Yes. One other, uh, let's say, uh, thing: if you add, you can see that they are like to, to the power of two okay. in terms of capacity. If you say I need a 90 gigabyte disk, what do you think it's going to happen? Mm, next bigger one. Yes. It's going to round it up to the next bigger one to basically not offer you what you want, but what it wants you to use. Okay, but I understand this because yeah. this is the, the idea behind this is uh, standardization. Standardization yes. and uh, creating regions for the fail failovering and so Just on. Just wanted to mention. Yes. Okay. Then again, key management for encryption. Is it a shared disk or not? Uh, is uh, Do you want to delete it? from? I'm, I'm not going to spend more time on this because it just starts eating away at my soul. Then it asks for, for example, whether or not uh, for certain virtual machine instance sizes, do you want to use host caching in which? Read one, read write. Again, you can spend hours discussing that. So already we've spent 15 minutes talking about this. I'm not even one further of the way across. Networking uh, is where things become even more weird because it says, I need to create a virtual network. We know why. And logically, people would be able to understand uh, why, because you need to have a, your own network, which is not going to be a part of somebody else's network. They need to be isolated for privacy reasons. All that is easily understandable if you know it or if you read about it prior, prior to doing this. But most of the people are not going to understand it. Because yeah, yeah. Most of the people are used to having VPS machines. Mm -hmm. And they are used to having a machine that has an outside address and that's it. No networking, no virtual switches, no virtual Yes, networking. because in cloud it doesn't work that way. Yes, yes and no. Yeah, it, it, uh, it can work that way. You can create a virtual machine like that, but it's a diff completely different thing. Because, I know, I know, but uh, just I'm just making a point. Because yeah, uh, this we are is, talking about a normal user, but normal user is expecting this not to exist. Yeah, basically to be VPS, yeah, yes. uh, publicly available, and that's that. I mean, this machine is going to be publicly available. Is just going to be publicly available behind the yeah. object IP address that cloud assigns to it, while being in the internal network via port forwarding or whatever. That's the way in which cloud services do it, and there's a security reason why. Okay, security is the reason why. It's the functional reason. Then it asks you, Nick, okay, network interface card. Let's say we know what it is. Network security group. What the hell is that? Again, this is the configuration that we saw on the first screen. 
You can see it, public inbound port select them. This is the firewall configuration. So network security group is basically Azure's version of a firewall inside the virtual network. Nah, if it's a Linux machine, maybe you want secure shell and let's say you want to do Apache or something. Let's say you would select HTTP, HTTPS, you would be happy with that. You don't want RDP because Linux doesn't use that, luckily. Then you have this checkbox about deleting the public IP address and NIC when VMD is deleted. It pisses me off that I have to select this for every type of object, but it's still way better than not having it and track it down later as you did and as I did more than a few times. Here uh, is one more thing that I want to discuss for a second. Enable accelerated networking. And when you go to information button, enables low latency and high throughput on the network interface. This is more than enough information for general public. But if you really want to know what it works, you really need to follow the, the learn more link. And then it's going to start talking about single root input output virtualization, partitioning, this and that. No sane person can understand what the hell this is. Okay. Uh, even uh, a lot of uh, very seasoned IT guys do not understand what this is. I believe me, I tried and checked. Uh, if I start talking about single root input output virtualization, everybody's going to fall asleep. And, it's, uh, and yet it's a very important uh, topic uh, in terms of how we use our hardware, but topic for another day. Then management. Uh, identity, shutdown, backup, guest OS updates, whatnot. Okay. Literally, probably the simplest tab that we have. Finally, something that's humanly, rationally explainable and usable. And then you get the monitoring tab and uh, stuff gets weird again. Although there are not many options. But I would, I would uh, have a small argument to make there. Okay. Management. Want me to go back? Yes. Okay. Uh, how are updates different when you're dealing with Windows machines and Linux machines? There are different orchestration options here. Ah, you okay. can do auto automation, you can do manual updates, they can be pushed to you via the Azure policies. So there are a gazillion different ways in which you can do this. But this is more of a standpoint of somebody who is using, let's say, a hybrid cloud or a large enterprise company okay. or something like that. For regular people, I think they would just leave the defaults and everybody would be happy. And um, the good thing about because for the most part, most part, uh, Windows will deal with the updates themselves. So for all the good and the bad yes, of it, yes, 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 yes I agree. Yes, yes. And Linux, Linux, and Linux, indefinite. Yeah, Linux. Most of the distributions do not want to do it that way. Although you can make them do auto updates as well, as yes. you know. Uh, but we don't want to have that. Uh, you have basically just one or two important options here: boot diagnostics and guest diagnostics. This is for all of us guys who want to have uh, the, the, the diagnostics boot diagnostics options for all of us who want to have remote console access to the virtual machine, which again, most people don't understand what it is. IT guys very much understand what it is because it saves our lives to have that access, ILO, IPMI, lifecycle controllers, etc. But the, the weird thing is actually that Microsoft changed the policy of how this works roughly, let's say two years ago, because by default, all of the machines used to have, if I remember correctly, uh, the, the uh, boot diagnostics turned on, automatically saved to your storage account. Uh, there is a reason why that needs to happen this way. It's architectural reason. And you didn't need to configure this in any shape or form. If you leave it like this, you don't have a remote console, which is stupid. 
So you have to go and say, I want to enable this with the customer because the first, the third option is disabled. The second one is somewhere in the middle, but uh, it expects you to do a post deployment configuration in which you're going to say, where does the boot diagnostics get saved to which storage account, which is stupid. It okay. should be enabled by default and it should be free of charge, Microsoft. Because uh, by doing it this way, they basically made us pay for that. And then you have some advanced capabilities here. For example, we we made a book about cloud in it. So yes, you okay, know what it is, not the topic of our discussion. So you can do a little bit more of uh, automation and orchestration options, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and performance options and blah, 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 blah. And the last part is the tagging. So let's say that you want to uh, call your virtual, uh, you want to mark your virtual machines as something, let's say blue machines, red machines, yellow machines, blue ones are, I don't know, Linux machines, red ones are Windows. Pro production, backend, production, production front-end, uh, whatever. Back -end, whatever Reason yes. being that by using the tags, we can sort them and search them in a little bit more humanly way without actually looking into the names of the virtual machines per okay, se. This actually, this actually makes sense when you are, when we are- uh, Running many, many virtual machines. Yes, yeah. but when you're dealing with numbers. Yes, uh, at scale, this is an immensely powerful tool and the more VMs you have, the more you're gonna to want to use this. And finally, after I think 40 minutes of discussion, we are at the review plus create window. Maybe it's going to throw some error. You never know, sometimes it happens. And in here, you see that you have a 0 0.02 to 7 USD per hour. If you remember uh, the, the, when we were checking the uh, prices, they were not in prices per hour. Yes, I know. Yeah, okay, so that's, that's another, um, let's say, uh, I, I would call it complexity. I would call it confusing thing. It's crazy that at one place they're doing it in one way and completely different in the other, but. I think this is dark pattern. I think yeah, this yeah. is just dark pattern for the for the sales sales guys because they are trying to I wouldn't say hide, but they're not uh, making a point of showing you how much uh, this costs in something that you can actually relate to. Yes. So this is this is just made to uh, seem uh, cheap. Yeah, it is exactly that because to the human eye this looks cheap. Yes, it's not. So right now we would be able to cre uh, press create and you can see that the whole configuration, all of the options, something that we discussed yes. previously is here. So let's create that virtual machine just for the fun of it. It's going to take, let's say 20 seconds or so. Uh, after that, the real fun starts. So, uh, so this is a queue, queued process. It gets put in a queue and it gets executed. They deploy the virtual machine from a template with, actually I deployed one today and uh, it already had all of the latest updates, which I really liked. Okay. So uh, after after the deployment, if you if I was to log into that Ubuntu machine and do, you know, update, up, get update and upgrade, zero packages would get deployed, which is good. Uh, they, they do keep their uh, Linux machine templates uh, up to date really well to their credit. But as I said, uh, most of the machines in Azure are Linux, and I would expect that they're paying attention to the Linux because Linux is part of them making money. Large part of them making money, yes. yes. And all of the correlated services and stuff that uh, they're running. There we go. And the, the, other thing, the other thing is that if I had uh, an environment that runs 
hundreds of millions of Linux machines. Mm-hmm. I would want from the security standpoint uh, to have them all running this, the latest version of all the security updates. Okay, so here's my virtual machine. It's It was created. Uh, to go back to the topic that you were mentioning, so you can see that it does have a public IP address assigned. Okay. It also has, if you go to the networking tab, it also has a local address in that subnet that we created assigned as well. So from the perspective of end user, somebody sitting sitting at home, uh, uh, that person would connect to this IP, that IP would in the backend, let's say networking stack, get translated to this one, you would end up connecting to this Linux machine without even knowing how that's made. So it's from the standpoint of regular users, this process is as transparent as possible. That being said, take a look at the amount of tabs that you have here. And uh, uh, I can tell you from experience that there are like 30, 40 tabs here, at least 25 to 30 of them you're actually going to use. Okay. Complexity. This is not a simple thing. If you want to do that remote console that I was mentioning earlier, you go to boot diagnostics, if you correctly configured it, you can see the screenshot. Basically, that's like a screenshot from that uh, console. If you go to serial log, uh, this is something that a lot of people using, uh, for example, OpenStack will recognize because they, uh, this is something that uh, is available there. And if you want to really have the remote access to the console, you go to serial console. That's a part of the storage account configuration that we did. And um, uh, roughly, generally speaking, uh, yeah, it didn't create the storage account correctly. Again, an error. It happens a lot. Uh, even if it did create it correctly, what usually happens is one out of two. But that's my average. Serial console, tried to, I try to connect the first time. It doesn't work. Then I go to something, and then I go back to serial console, and all of a sudden it starts working when the storage account is provisioned and made. Let's see. But it, it will probably you know, start working in, I don't know, a minute or two. It depends on how quickly it's going to create what's called a storage account. What's a storage account, you ask? It's a place where you store your data. A bucket. A bucket of uh, capacity where you store virtual machine data, files, you know, binary data, what doesn't really matter what which type. But it didn't create, uh, as uh, I think, successfully, <coughs> my storage account, no, not that I care. But I want to show you something in the opposite direction, which is going to infuriate you. So I'm going to go back home. I'm going to go to virtual machine. And I'm going to say test virtual machine. I just want to stop that. Stop in Azure terms means shutdown. Okay. Okay. Let's wait for this virtual machine. Uh, so it succeeded zero. So the uh, built-in utilities were able to communicate with the, with the backend. And they should be able to stop this virtual machine. Uh, okay. But please pay attention to how long that's going to take. So it's already like 15 seconds. It's still running. Deallocating. That's not still done. It says that it's now done. It's like, um, so it stopped after, let's say, 30 seconds. How many seconds does a virtual machine take to shut down? Regular Linux machine that you're running on your laptop. Probably a couple of seconds. Let's say 10, 10, at, 10, at, 10. at worst case in 99% of the if cases. If everything is okay. If everything is okay, 99% of your Linux VMs with one CPU, two gigabytes of memory, 10 seconds stops. Let's now delete this virtual machine. I'm going to go go through a scenario with you that okay. is 
most probably going to infuriate you. So you, it needs a confirmation. That's perfectly reasonable. Okay. Delete. Let's wait for that process to finish. It's also going to take a little bit of time. Let's refresh. So it's queued. There, it's done. And now I want to go back to the beginning and I created this cloud resource group. Yes. In which I've put both the storage account and the virtual machine. So resource group is a bucket for all of that. Okay. Let's uh, say that I want to delete this resource group because I'm not using it anymore. Okay. So it tells me that it has some resources. Okay. Trust me when I say that this didn't look uh, like uh, as it looks right now, only a couple of, uh, let's say last year. It didn't present me with the resources. I needed to find them manually. Okay. Just like you were. So I want to do a deletion process of these objects because they are a hierarchy of objects. They are correlated and okay. codependent one on, on the other. So I need to delete them so that I can delete the resource group. Let's see if that works. Most commonly it doesn't, but you try a couple of times and then it does. That, that's the start of the infuriating part. Let's see what happens. And we're going to refresh a couple of times as well. There we go. It was able to remove. Let's try to delete the resource group now. It says that I still have the disk. Okay. And where is the disk? The disk is in the storage account. But which I just deleted. Okay. Is that, this, log is that logical? This makes sense. Why? Because I'm used to this kind of lunacy in the uh, cloud, uh, cloud. But I selected the checkbox to for that to be deleted with the VM. Yes, but I know for a fact that a lot of cloud uh, resources mm -hmm. have a problem with uh, ling lingering objects uh, when it be when it comes. Absolutely to the true. Yes, I know, I know, but but I but I expect this problem. Okay, let's. I expect that. Everything is going to be subject to me waiting for at least 10 minutes to uh, things to settle down. That's all cool. Let's let's continue with the demo and I want to show you something else as well. So delete resource group, the disk is there just so that point prone. But the problem with this is actually something else. I'm going to go to resource group. Do you have any uh, way to delete disk right now? Yes. Okay. I should be able to. I'm, I'm going to try. Uh, if I select this cloud resource group, do you see a delete button here? No, but I'm just short-sighted. No, okay. there is no delete okay. button. Uh, so this is, uh, again, UE gremlins, underdeveloped gremlins, not making rational decisions. Let's go into that resource group again. And now you can see that uh, the delete button here is it's grayed out. out. Okay. But there is a delete resource group here button that is not grayed out more than 50 percent of the cases when i do this just go back to something and go back to the resource group open it delete resource group is grayed out okay and then i have to go to powershell or something to delete it manually because there is no other way or azure cli doesn't really matter which methodology you want to use which pisses me off to no end because imagine uh, let's let me just use uh, an example I'm, um, I'm in charge of uh, managing and monitoring an Azure environment that has close to, uh, let's say, 100 
terabytes of data. Okay. Uh, those That 100 terabytes of data is stored in roughly 20 virtual machines that are spread all across the world in different regions, different okay. data centers. They are, have availability sets. They are highly available. This, that, backup, backup, this, backup, that. It's uh, uh, endless web or of interconnected codependent crap. Okay. It needed to be done that way. There is an architectural reason why. And when I started optimizing that, not in an Excel manager fashion, okay. but actually moving stuff that I don't need, what you call lingering objects. Uh, I, last time when I did that, I've spent two days doing it. And I don't have thousands of objects, the, just because... Was this, was this when you were trying to move internally uh, data across the network internally, and then you yes. got a couple of uh, kilobytes yes, that's, per second? that's something that I also wanted to discuss. Yes, okay. So I made a live demo of this in front of our students. Okay. In which I've shown them that if you want to copy the data from one Asia region to the second Asia region by using the public IP address of, the, of virtual machine A to B. Yes. That that was more than 20 times faster, faster, not slower, faster than going through backend Azure network. Okay. The, those virtual machine networks that we were but this doing is later. Completely, completely logical to me. It's not. Because you are paying for egress and egress, uh, ingress. It is, uh, it is kind of different. You still are paying for, for both directions of the traffic, but in no way, shape or form should the local network be slower than the public network. That doesn't exist in real world. Yes, it doesn't exist in the real world, but in the actual uh, world of uh, making money, mm -hmm. you don't want people using the local network. You want no, people no, but, using but that outside. local network, they're also charging for it. Uh, uh, are they? Yes. Okay. Yeah, okay. they're, they're charging. It's, it's not a but, matter uh, of cost. I'm just going to make one, one, one more point. Uh, both you and me have experience with cloud. Mm -hmm. Even I'm not completely sure what is being charged and what is not being charged in a particular case in a particular cloud. I'm sure in this case. In, in this case, you are sure, mm -hmm. but there is always a chance that something has changed. There can always be changes. Yes, yes. and this is, this is the biggest gripe that I have with the cloud because uh, I need yeah. to completely, to be completely sure, I need to double check every Triple time. Triple check, quadruple check. And then I need to check if the article that is applying uh, to this pricing is applicable to my region. And if this is the current article that everybody is referring to, and this is not something that has been done in the past and then is being obsoleted by somebody else. So, yeah, so two things to add to this. Uh, uh, thank you for reminding me of that example because I completely forgot about it. Uh, when I was doing that optimization, I was just copying a backup of a SQL database, one file. So okay. it's not 100 million small files. And the metaphor that I used, so copying over the public versus the backend network. Uh, so for for those of uh, those of you listeners who are not necessarily IT people, I basically said that if you connect two computers via cable, they have less transfer speed, so they are slower to communicate than if both of those computers were connected to the internet and commuting, communicating via that network, which in real world. There, there is no chance, statistical chance, that this is ever going to happen on purpose, that the local connection is slower than the public one. It doesn't exist. You know that. There is a guy uh, running a Laplink uh, cable between those. Oh, thank you for serial ports. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay, let's start to delete this. 
Let's see. You can see but that. I'm the, just going to. I'm just going to make. Can you, you see? Yes. There, I'm, there is no disc anymore. I'm going to make you angrier, and just, I'm just going to say that this comes from the guys who are able to create a new version of the Windows Server that is unable to accept new users via uh, PowerShell, because oh, coincidentally, it, topic of one of our future posts. Yes. So, so, yes. so they have created more broken version of the Windows Server in the ways that the basic functionality of the server itself is broken. Mm -hmm. And it is the functionality that I have absolutely no idea why it was even touched in the first place. Mm -hmm. So just those yeah, guys. Yeah. Let's delete this research group. So the disk is gone. Okay. You know why? Because we waited enough. Yes. I know. But this, this, is, this is normal for me. It's not normal for people who are not used to the cloud. Correct, which is exactly the reason why I said everything that I said. And the biggest so. problem is that when you are dealing with the manager, mm -hmm. and when he said, uh, when he says delete this, and you say I cannot, I need to wait for half an hour, and he looks at you and says why, mm -hmm. and you said, I actually cannot explain to you because I don't actually know. You cannot, um, for the life of you, understand that. I, I can I can try to explain, to, explain no, it to you. You can rationalize it. No, no, no. I, I can try to explain the idea of it, but what is happening right now, I have no idea. Yeah, I, I do have an idea. No, uh, both you and me have an idea what is happening, no, but, but we, we don't actually know what is happening. I think we do. It's uh, it's uh, it's some kind of RabbitMQ, some kind of message queuing, API call being made there and then sitting in the queue for God knows how much time. Doesn't really matter. So let's press delete. Let's see what happens. Please uh, uh, note that I'm still sitting in that object. So I'm still on that object that I'm deleting, which is a stupidity in itself. No, you're just looking at the UI that uh, hasn't refreshed, and that's it. Yeah, and now it refreshed, and all of those resources shouldn't exist now. So I only have Cloud Shell Storage, the same one which uh, Azure said doesn't exist, so didn't provide me with uh, boot diagnostics yes, because okay. of it. Beautiful, beautiful, but but it's still here. So that's actually another resource group created. I cannot literally to, to kind of like uh, to, to, to semi-quote Jeremy Clarkson, for the life of me, I cannot understand the brain of a person who thought that this is a good job. For this to be made as a separate part of it, I want, and all of the things, these delays and everything, the GUI itself is probably the worst source of information in Azure, generally speaking. Generally speaking, let's, I think that let's the, try to delete this resource group because mm, so things could happen. I have I have one more point to make when it comes to uh, let's see if it's specifically Microsoft and what they are doing with the cloud. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just put this on my screen. Uh, just give give me a second. Uh, I'm still trying to delete this. Let's see if it's uh, if it finishes successfully. It did. That's the first. And I'm so, going to now try to delete the last resource group that I have, which is created for me by default when you create your cloud account. Let's see okay. what happens now. Let's see if that's going to be deleted. Just for the fun of it. Never tried it. I'm just going to I'm just going to go through this. Uh, can you just switch to my uh, to my computer? So yeah. this is uh, one attempt 
to make a list of all the Microsoft yes. administration portals and different portals for different Microsoft services uh, that exist on the internet. Uh, when I say attempt, this is because people are not completely sure if everything is here. You can actually go to the GitHub and then download the list from there and people can actually make changes in the list and commit those changes to add another portal if the portal was uh, missed from this list. So this for me means that there is so many, I wouldn't even call them teams, I would call them boring factions mm -hmm. that are uh, trying to deal with the, uh, to deal with the... They're trying not to communicate. No, no, they are, they are achieving the not communication part. Mm -hmm. But I think that they are, they are even uh, trying to probably uh, play for the same resources inside the Microsoft and trying to uh, pull the resources to their, uh, for their objective. And it makes absolutely no sense for me to have this many different portals for different things. So basically, uh, Azure portal. Release candidate portal, preview portal, directory administration centers, tenant center, uh, signing up portal, cloud shell, Cosmos DB, data, and so on and so on and so on. Uh, this makes sense for somebody who is deep, deep, deep inside the Azure, mm -hmm. but it doesn't make sense for a normal person. And the biggest problem that I have with all of this mm -hmm. is that uh, differences between different things inside these portals mm -hmm are so minuscule that people sometimes don't understand what they're dealing with. They cannot be completely sure what they are dealing with right now. Hence why I wanted to cover this topic, uh, because oversimplifying cloud as a model, cloud as a provisioning methodology, cloud as an operational thing that you use on a daily basis is wrong. Cloud is way more complex than any of the local services that we are using. Because it has so many available options, one of the key reasons is that one. You can treat that as a good and a bad thing. Not going to get into the discussion because at the end of the day, it's what you want to use. But I'm, 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 I must admit that I'm missing. I'm, I actually managed to delete everything, which is first time ever. And I've been an Azure user for 10 years. So uh, what you're telling me is that complexity is inherent to the cloud. It is. And what you are telling me is that the complexity is something that uh, people should be able to deal with in a way that they should learn about the cloud, hire a, a person who actually knows what he's doing and deal with the cloud as it, it is a complex system. But to be, to be completely uh, aware of everything that is happening, you also have this problem with servers, with storage, with internet providers, Networking, security. Networking. Uh, as soon as you go out from, I have these three machines and these three machines are connected to the internet, you suddenly have a problem because you are going to create um, an environment that is usually something that you need a specialized person to, the, to do. That is true, but the levels, or the, if you want to put it in, in geographical terms, the, the, the dimensions of how much more complex cloud is to what you just said is, is actually immeasurable to put in words. It's not uh, even on the same plane of existence. Yes, but when you're dealing with the cloud, um, 
the complexity is there. Okay. But usually you can more or less quickly solve your problems. If you know what you're doing. If you know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. When you are dealing with servers, usually your mistakes are more expensive. Because when you're over-provisioned your cloud and you haven't used those resources and you understand you're over-provisioned the cloud, for example, you, you allocate 10 terabytes instead of a terabyte. It's not the same as if you bought 10 terabytes of the wrong kind of storage. So cloud is complex, but the uh, mistakes that you make in the cloud are usually less expensive. You're completely wrong. If you, if you do the things right. <laughs> um, if you go to, um, let me give you an example. You can freely try this uh, if you want to as well. This, uh, basically, this is my final point uh, as far as I'm concerned. If you go to Azure Pricing Calculator, uh, do this when you find some time and uh, just try to put a couple of, let's say, 10 virtual machines there with, let's say, five of them uh, being a couple of hundred gigabyte ones let's say a couple of them being a couple of terabyte ones, basically like SQL or something, try to simulate an environment in which you have, in which you have enough resources to, let's say, cover SME business. Doesn't have to be all that big. Let's say 10 VMs, two domain controllers, two file servers, two SQL servers, you know, the, the regular stuff that you will find in Microsoft shops. When you uh, when you are done with that, it's going to take you literally two minutes to to click that in into Azure Pricing Calculator. When you get the, get the breakdown of the costs before you look at it, take Xanax. But okay, but the problem the, the problem that I see is that if you are as inexperienced that we are uh, as the people that we are talking about, and you come to the cloud and you provision the provision the cloud in a completely wrong way. It is not the same. No, no, but this is provisioned in a correct way. Okay, but being in provisioned in a correct way or in the wrong way. If you uh, try to take a look at the breakdown, you are going to uh, see your mistakes and usually you are going to be able to uh, bring down the virtual machines uh, that you don't need. And then you are going to basically understand that your, the cloud is usually not for you. Because if you to, because usually if you uh, create an environment that is correct, and then you need to take any kind of medication to be able to pay for it. I was using it as a metaphor. Yes, I know, but if you need to think about paying for it, and you see that the problem is that you don't, cannot afford it, it usually means that you have a problem with your configuration, and that your configuration is not intended to be in the cloud. Please don't tell me, just like our colleague did, that we are too, just too, uh, too, too cheap or that we are too poor to be using a cloud because that would be, I think, not. I'm not using the word politically incorrect. It would just be wrong. Uh, I'm not saying that being too cheap to use the cloud is the right methodology. Uh, being sentient enough to not use the cloud is the right thing because no, I'm no, not. no, no, use it, but use it for uh, in a correct way, in a sense of use it for something that cloud actually can do for you well, not for everything, uh, which is what a lot of people are doing. As I said in the beginning, there is no such thing as a silver, silver bullet. bullet. Yeah, I know. 
uh, the cloud is a solution to some problems. Yes, uh, while creating others. Local uh, infrastructure is a solution to some problems. For example, if you need uh, high availability, if you need uh, cross-site disaster recovery, if you need something like this, usually cloud is part of the solution. If you have simple demands in that, if you have uh, non-changing uh, utilization of the servers, so basically servers that have a constant load, usually the cloud is not the solution for you. Correct. And the problem is that people, as we said, people don't understand those uh, cases. And your whole rant about the cloud being complex to, uh, complex to uh, use is basically based on you actually knowing what you're doing. People who are trying to migrate to cloud, as I said, they usually made their mind up mm -hmm. and they decided that this is going to be the nail that fits the hammer. Mm -hmm. And they have the hammer in the, ha in the hand. They are not going to decide on the screws. So the biggest problem that we have the, with the people right now is that cloud is used as a, a universal remedy for everything. Cloud is the best solution, the scalable solution, and so on and so on and so on. Uh, to the point that we actually have consultants for cloud demigration or uh, removing the cloud yes. outside, outside of the infrastructure. Yeah, a lot of that is happening, actually. Because, because people are making money by reducing the complexity of the cloud infrastructure that people have, uh, have grown into. Mm -hmm. Because inherently, when you are working with the cloud, first you design the infrastructure and say, okay, this infrastructure works for me. The amount of money that I'm paying for the cloud is okay. Then complexity keeps getting added. Mm -hmm. It's easy to edit. Mm -hmm. And it's like boiling a frog. It's slowly creeping up. The prices are creeping up. Everything is creeping up. But people usually don't see it. Because the... Until it reaches the boiling point. Yes. And then the boiling point re uh, is reached. And then people uh, start thinking about what they're going to do with the cloud, how to remove themselves from the cloud. When you are buying servers, it's not the same because you actually see the investment that you are making in. Mm -hmm. And you see that the hours needed to connect everything, to uh, configure everything, the hours are there. So you actually see the problem because the problem is usually staring you from the racks. Mm -hmm. And then you are completely aware when you made a mistake. So it's much, much easier to make a mistake in the cloud. It's usually easier to uh, remove this mistake because it's much easier to remove a virtual machine from the cloud than it is to remove a server from the rack. Because after all, you need to actually sell it to somebody and usually people don't want to buy it. Mm -hmm. So mistakes are more costly, but in the, in the end, cloud is more costly because people are uh, tend to just say, okay, the cloud should be more costly because total cost of ownership, blah, 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 blah. Capex, OPEX, economic bullshit. 20% more yeah, than accounting. Than, yes, 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 amortization, uh, accounting, expenses, and so on and so on. But for me, I have seen a solution when, where I actually saw that the solution was designed in such a way that uh, this particular company was able to buy uh, four times the amount of capacity that they needed if they bought it for the price of the cloud. 
Same. If only they just actually bought the physical service. And the reason why they uh, went for the cloud solution in the first place was completely miscalculated usage case mm -hmm. that was completely mis uh, misinterpreted by the guys who were actually designing it. Mm -hmm. Because they designed for one usage case, then mid-implementation switched to another usage case, and then basically said, okay, but this is going to be good enough in the cloud. So the cloud solution wasn't good enough, a uh, local solution would be much, much better, and the cloud solution was four times more expensive than the local solution. Yeah, I had the same discussion here in the company, but luckily we work for a company that's reasonable. But let's let's finish uh, let's finish this off. I just want to uh, say one more thing, basically one or two sentences. Thing. Thank you for um, uh, verifying. Uh, thank you for noticing that I was doing this from the perspective of me actually being kind of informed about it, because my point is, if you're not you're going to be worse off. But there is, as no, a but. Person, there is no but. No, no, but as a person who actually uh, did lectures on the virtualization and had students uh, log into the Azure or other clouds for the first time and try to put up a virtual machine, you actually need a lot of knowledge to be even able to put up a virtual, virtual machine that runs. Exactly my point. And the problem is that people stop learning people Correct. people say okay few i have this i have managed to do the virtual machine i have a couple of them i managed to make them communicate to each other i have an sql database this database now works i'm not going to touch anything else because everything is scary and then they are paying the bills for something that they actually don't need or even worse they are not going ever to need mm -hmm. And this is something that is inherent to the cloud because the cloud is an extremely complex tool. Mm -hmm. If you buy the service, it's the same. But the servers, since they're pricey, are going to make you learn a lot of stuff before you buy. Mm -hmm. Cloud is also expensive, but it is going to make you learn stuff after you buy the services. Which is exactly the wrong approach. Which is the approach that is completely normal. Yeah, this is, is the reason and, why, and this is the reason why all the subscriptions come with the uh, first month free mm -hmm. because you need to see that the subscription is great and then you need to pay for the bill yeah that's awesome so this is the this is the reason why the way the cloud is is, is it, uh, the way it is yeah my rant was actually completely about that i know i know but i was trying to make sense of it because your rant was at times uh looking like you uh, have a specific hate uh, towards Azure. No, I, but, I, but, uh, I'm an equal opportunist renter for all of the clouds because everything that I said applies to AWS, GCP and everybody else. I think that right now uh, all the other clouds are different in a way that Microsoft was late to the cloud uh, market. Yeah. And uh, AWS is even more complex mm -hmm. because they have a huge problem with UI. Mm -hmm. Because they, you, their UI is uh, trying to uh, cover so many different technologies that Microsoft doesn't even have in the cloud. And at the same time, their UI was created when the cloud was created. And their UI is trying to uh, use as much their patents as possible to make you pay more. Mm. Uh, they are saying that this is not on purpose, that it's just for legacy reasons, but 
I don't see that they're removing problems with the UI uh, and with the stuff being hidden from you uh, as quickly as Microsoft is. And we are coming from different, they're coming from different, mm. where they're coming from different uh, approaches. Uh, Google first created the cloud to enable Google to work and then set and decided to upsell basically the remaining storage and the capacity that they had in the data centers. AVS was strictly created to be sold as a cloud. And then Amazon said, decided, okay, we are going to use part of it uh, for our own uh, purposes, but we are going to create a product that's going to be the AVS and the AVS actually works because it was first on the market. And Microsoft hasn't yet decided what they are trying to do because they were trying to create a cloud environment from my perspective. And Quark Cloud in mind that is going to be Microsoft friendly with the Azure uh, Active Directory and so on and so on and so on and so on. And then... Azure Active Directory is the wrong example, but yes. Yeah, yes, but they were trying to make a uh, Microsoft-friendly environment. That's where they started, yes. And then quickly, but um, I must uh, say that quickly realized that the Linux is the right way to go. And then they were the first part of the Microsoft actually went Linux-centric, almost Linux-centric in the cloud, because they were trying to say, okay, we don't care that we are the Microsoft. If you want to buy Linux, we are offering Linux mm -hmm. because we are not going to make any money by offering overpriced Windows servers in the cloud. Because if you remember, Windows servers were extremely overpriced in the cloud. When yeah, started. that's all good. And this is the this is the this is the problem that all the clouds have. The they are taking the baggage with them. They have a lot of uh, baggage that comes out of what was before, and what what were they trying to solve in the start. Mm -hmm. And I think that right now, um, from different clouds, I would say that Oracle is basically trying uh, to be the best and they are uh, making the most effort to create something new. And I heavily disagree. Yes, but uh, their, their effort is completely mis misplaced. <laughs> because what they are trying to do is basically say, okay, look at us, our free tier has an enormous amount of processing power for you to uh, get for free. And I see it as, a, uh, as an uh, attempt to say, okay, as a hidden attempt of saying, we completely over-provisioned the idea that we were able to sell. So we need to quickly make people use it because somebody is going to look bad uh, uh, in front of the management. Mm -hmm. Because they have, a, they have a so, so large capacity that is not used that they need somebody to use, even for free. Okay. Okay. So we agree. Cloud good. If used correctly. Yes. Service good. Designed correctly. Service good. If used correctly. Yes. Stupid people make stupid choices, create uh, stupid solutions. I don't like the word. Like stupid. Say uninformed people mm. make bad choices. Therefore, a lot of times companies get hurt in terms of the, the amount of money that they pay. Yes. So do you think that the companies should be, uh, should be comply uh, in, uh, as parts, a part of a, uh, yearly uh, performance review, mm -hmm. uh, should the companies be made aware that they need to create a software and hardware review, a software performance review and cloud performance review to see if they're actually right now using their resources wrong? Of course. And how many companies do you know that they actually do this? Just a couple. Because the problem is that I see that uh, not only is the cloud used incorrectly, but once the cloud is inside the company and deployed in the company, 
I see a lot of companies saying, okay, this is the status quo and now we are going, not going to change it. Yeah, and that's our dumpster. Let's throw everything in. Yes. Yeah, I just like that for the same reasons that you do. Because um, I don't think that uh, the point that we should be doing uh, as an industry, I shouldn't be, we shouldn't be selling uh, just because of the sales. Yeah. You mentioned technical sales. I remember a guy. Uh, technical marketing, but yes. Yes, technical marketing, technical sales, whatever. I remember a guy that was trying to sell me, and you know him, but uh, I'm not going to mention him, that was trying to sell me an uh, exchange uh, solution for something. And basically, he showed me the solution that was uh, uh, tailor-made for this particular company, and it was amazing. It was quick, responsive, uh, everything was uh, running as clockwork. The only problem was that he over-provisioned it uh, uh, in the order of times 12 because he was able to, uh, he wanted to show me how the exchange is going to be responsive, quick, and uh, ni nice to work with. Mm -hmm. And then when the actual cloud solution was installed, the administration portal and uh, the administration part was slow as hell mm -hmm. because it made no sense to over-provision it the way that the sales did it. Mm -hmm. So, don't trust the guys who are trying to sell you the stuff from in the cloud. Yeah. Try to find somebody who is uh, who actually knows what he's doing and who, who did something he doesn't have an inherent uh, interest in trying to buy, uh, sell you a particular cloud. Agreed. Okay. okay. <coughs> so. That was it from us for this episode and we'll see each other soon. And before we go, this was Vedran. I was Yasmin and somebody noted in the comments that we haven't introduced each other and it, we were very hard to find on the internet. Yeah, we're going to do that in due time. Yes, and we are going to probably include some, some sort of uh, whatever uh, information about us in the description of the video. And the other thing is that you can find us on uh, where usually you get your podcasts. You can find us on YouTube. And Spotify, Spotify, and all the different places. And um, this, please subscribe because we need to start saying the please click on the subscribe and the button. Like, share, subscribe. Yeah, like, that's share, what, subscribe. Stop, that's what blah, blah, our lives has blah. come to. Awesome. Yes, but we don't care right now because uh, making money on this podcast only means that we are going to buy another unnecessary gadget. So more equipment, more equipment. Yes. So uh, let's let's do this for fun, not for the for the money. Yeah. Okay. okay. Bye.